Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. That's the curveball and the changeup. And 2-2 is shipped to right. Betts is going to grab it. Made it look easy, but here comes Gonzalez. What a throw from Betts, and it's on the Are money. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He does it How so casually. World and turn. Hit and run Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. I'm on the lookout just about every day for something awesome that happened in baseball, and there's usually a whole bunch of choices, and then I'll sometimes send it out. Best thing I saw in baseball today. Um, That throw by Mookie Betts, was that from Thursday? I think it was from Friday. Uh, uh, It was from Thursday? Okay. Well, that throw from Mookie Betts, if you didn't see it, he's in right field, and he's running pretty much full speed to his left towards the right field line, and and fields a ball and then spins and immediately makes the throw post spin and somehow has centered himself and throws it completely perfectly online to the catcher exactly where the mitt is to get a runner trying to score. And it's, how do you score that? If you were a scout or a front office guy and you're trying to grade the throwing ability of Mookie Betts, where does that range on the old 20 to 80 scale? Let's ask Kevin Goldstein, who has been a scout, has been a front office guy, has been a world-class blogger, and now a great writer over at Fangraphs. He's all things to a lot of different people. He's got a great podcast called Chin Music, and he's nice enough to hang out with me and uh, sully the airwaves on a Sunday morning here on 670 <laughs> The Score. <laughs> um, good morning, Kevin. How do you score... How do you scout Mookie Betts's ability? Is that just throwing or is that fielding? It's the spin around and the ability to be on balance. I don't even know how to deal with that, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you grade the throw in a, in a vacuum. You grade the fielding ability in a vacuum. I mean, Mookie Betts is a, is a it's an 80 arm out there. There's no question about it. And it's a 70-plus defender. He's a, it's a gold glove level outfielder. Right? I don't know anyone who would debate that. And, you know, you don't throw 80 around a lot. It's a rare score. You don't like to pop it around, but uh, Mookie earns one. Who's the best defensive outfielder that you have spent a lot of time analyzing in, in your career? I, I think it's Byron Buxton. Uh, I, I think that's the best defensive outfielder. That is that is an easy eighty center fielder. The arm is plus, but I mean, it's you know if you could put a ninety there, you would, but you can't. I mean that's that's about as good as you can get in center field. He covers so much ground. You know he's a top of the scale runner, but he also has just such great instincts. So you know the, the jumps are so good, the routes are so good. He covers you know, more area than anyone. You could have a one-man outfield at times with Byron Buxton out there. 
Oh, his injury issues are upsetting me this year, and not just because he's uh, on my. Uh, what's, yeah, I know, and not just because he's on my my fantasy team on injured reserve, but just because he my, he figured it out at the plate. It's unbelievable. Like I was reading about him, Kevin. He's one of those guys who went from sitting fastball and trying to adjust to the curve to now he's a guy who sits off speed and trusts his hands to be fast enough for the fastball. And there's very few guys I think who can do that. Um, but, uh, he's one of the guys who can do that. And, and, and he's been destroying the ball that, that, that's a hard thing to do is now that takes special hand speed probably to do it that way. He's phenomenal bat speed, but I mean, it kind of reminds me and I'll, I'll date myself. But I know you remember this player. Remember Eric Davis with the Reds where yes. you know, there's an MVP season in there. There's no question. There's an MVP season in there. This is a guy who, uh, you know, could have, if he was healthy for a whole year, hit 50 and stolen 60 in a year. And, and he just couldn't stay healthy for a whole year. I think his highest number was 130 games or so. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of comps to Bucks in the sense that there's an MVP year in there. He just has to stay in the lineup to do it. Yeah, you know, it, it, Eric Davis is still one of those guys I think of when I think of, like, the absolute pinnacle of, of what speed and power um, it looks like. Uh, in, in this game combined. So, no, I love that name coming up. Over on Fangraphs, Kevin wrote, um, these are cool columns, these, like, these, these scripted uh, reach-out calls. Um, and you're kind of imagining what, say, Jed Hoyer would be saying as he calls another team and checks in in advance of the deadline. But you wrote him out for every team around baseball. That was probably fun to think about from that perspective. Have you been a part of, uh, of writing this kind of thing for the Astros or at least like kind of putting together the philosophy in advance of the trade deadline? Uh, when does that start happening during a season? It, it really kind of starts happening in June, which is when the calls ha- you know, take place. And, and I have been a part of, of kind of crafting your message outgoing. And, and to be honest with you, I have had that, exact, I've had that phone call with Jed Hoyer. So, you know, it's just something I've done, and it's, it's, it's just part of the process where you, you reach out and you talk to teams, and it's, it's a time of honesty. This is what we're looking for. This is what we're thinking about. And, and, and the team will tell you this is what we're looking for, is what we're thinking about. And then you, you start to maybe generate a few, a few ideas, and it's, just, it's really just the beginning of the process. And obviously, you know, there are talks going on right now, obviously, between teams, but things are going to pick up once the calendar flips to July. And you start, you know, really focusing on what you need to find in order to, to – make the playoffs and at times for teams uh, get players who maybe not aren't going to help you get to the playoffs as much as they're going to help you win a playoff series. And, you know, I think the Cubs need to be focused on both right now. It's, it's so interesting. So you've had those phone calls. So like, do you do the call with just about every team or if there's a team, you know, they don't have anything we want. Do you not bother to reach out? to them? You, you still make the call just, you know, just to get at, at times at the end of that call is, you know, look, we, you know, we're going for it. You're going for it. I don't think we really match up here. And, and you just kind of both agree on that. But there, there's always maybe a little something to discuss. And, you know, there are really good teams. You can still make a deal with a really good team because team one has a, has a surplus of relievers and team two needs some relievers. So, you know, winners can trade with winners sometimes. And, and, and at the same time, sellers can sell with sellers at some time. So, yeah, you reach out to the other 29 teams, every one of them. It, it, it really is a, a fascinating development uh, for this Cubs season to have, um, you know, to go into it thinking, ah, probably going to be sellers. And then it's like, well, probably going to have to at least stand pat to now. I think y- they're going to be open buyers. How are you not 10 games over 500? 
and I don't know if they're going to try and do one of those kind of needle thread trades where you where where you might give up something of consequence on the big league level and get something of consequence like those kind of things that they had talked about. I think this might be just a flat out buy for giving up prospects they can survive parting with for an arm. Does I mean would you would you guess that's how it goes at this point for the Cubs? I mean, I think the needle thread trade you described is really hard to do. And, you know, one GM once put it to me, I've always remembered this, and it stuck with me, and I do think it's true. Like, if you try to go for it and rebuild at the same time, you tend to fail at both. Mm-hmm. Um, you, need to, you need to draw a line in the sand. You need, you need to, to decide what you're doing and understand the consequences for down the road. And, uh, you know, I, the Cubs, like you said, they should be buyers. It's a winnable division. That's, that's the one thing you got to remember. And you, you look at this division, like, we could win this division. There's no sleeping giant here that's that's behind you there's a lot of teams in the central cubs the brewers i'd still put the cardinals in that group i think the reds are maybe a tick below those three who are all pretty good teams none of them they're no monster here but they're all pretty good and so the division's winnable at the same time you have to be thinking we have to win the division because chances are are pretty slim that the wild card's going to come out of here so it's kind of winner go home and I think the biggest problem with the Cubs is starting pitching. You know, the offense is, is a, it's a slug-based offense, but it works. The bullpen, as you talked about earlier, has been phenomenal. Nothing less than phenomenal. Starting rotation, not so much. You know, and, and you, even if you win the division, do you really want to walk into a playoff series going with, you know, Kyle Hendricks, probably Adbert, and then Zach Davies or Arietta, you know, make your pick? That's not a playoff rotation, guys. You know, and, and, and they know that, and they need someone who – they feel comfortable starting game one and two, and, and I think that's what they're going to be on the hunt for. Tell me about John Gray of the Rockies, former top five pick. I think it was the Chris Bryant year. So was it the Brady Aiken year, Kevin? I, I, it was, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember a horrible hotel experience, but I, I saw John Gray at Kansas State at the end of that year, and, and we were you know, we were lining them all up that year, and, and I did see John Gray, and, you know, he's you know, it's been a bit of a slow burn, and you know, he maybe hasn't lived up to the, the reputation he had coming out of college. And he's kind of, you know, learned to pitch with his stuff, if you will. But it, it's is, is he an ace? No. Is he a guy who stabilizes your rotation, who you feel good about going every five days? Absolutely. You know, he's on the ten day IL right now, and, and you got to see how he comes out of that, and you got to get your your scouts and your analysts kind of breaking down how he looks when he comes back from the IL to make sure the stuff looks the same, but. You know, he's going to be a target. And, you know, in this market, unless something weird happens with the Giants and all of a sudden Gossman is available, or if the Nationals somehow decide to, to make Scherzer available, he might be one of the top starting guys on the market. And so you you got to break him down and be ready for it. Yeah, I'm looking at the realistic guys. So John Gray comes to mind. And then Kyle Gibson uh, at Texas. He's started 12 games this year. His ERA is in the low twos. Just had a short stint in the IL with a groin injury. He's 33. One more year after this under contract. Um, is, is You know, the Cubs and uh, Rangers have dealt very effectively together through the years. Good relationship with John Daniels. Should we be looking at Kyle Gibson? You should be looking at Kyle Gibson. Like you said, he's having a great year. He actually had – he's been better than his line because he had a, a real stinker on opening day. And he, since then, he's been wonderful. He's, he's – more of a pitch-to-contact kind of guy. He's not a kind of guy who's going to go out and strike out 12, but he keeps the ball on the ground and throws strikes. And, and another you know, effective pitcher who would be a clear rotation upgrade for the Cubs. But like you say, you know, he's under control next year. Not only is he under contract next year, it's at a great price. You know, his, his contract was front-loaded. So 
you know, next year he's making less than $8 million. There are some incentives in there that can get him above that, but his base salary is, you know, seven and two thirds million. So he's, he's really, really affordable. And the Rangers know that. And there's hmm. huge value to knowing you can have him next year at this, at this price that doesn't impact your payroll too much. So, you know, the Rangers are not going to give Kyle Gibson away. It's going to come at, at a pretty serious acquisition cost. Yeah, so another year, very affordable for a dependable arm. That's a big deal. Talking to Kevin Goldstein, a longtime front office man with the Astros, baseball prospectus before that, fan graphs now, among other things. Um, all right, so anytime this gets thrown around, you don't want to just hold on to these Cubs players and lose them for nothing at the end of the year. It would not be for nothing. Um, cause you get the compensatory draft pick. Now I, I'm trying to figure out, there are a lot of soft factors involved in the benefits of keeping them, whether it's, you know, in-house goodwill or public goodwill of keeping these guys and going for it. And there's also some financial factors, like you might win a few more games and get the playoffs and have those financial factors. But as you're a front office guy and you're thinking about what are you measuring the, tr- the prospects that you might get for a two month rental of Chris Bryant versus the compensatory draft pick you'd get if he just plays it out and leaves like Bryce Harper did for Mike Rizzo and the Nats, you know? I'm trying to figure out what else is on that yellow pad uh, left and right as you measure the the, the tangible uh, value of those things, if you follow me. Yeah, I mean, there's a few columns. Like you said, there's the prospect value you might get back. That draft pick's worth a lot. You know, it's a, it's a high draft pick you're going to get, but you do have to give those players qualifying offers, obviously, and not all of the Cubs impending free agents are probably worth a qualifying offer. You know, I think if you gave Javi Baez a qualifying offer, he'd be a fool not to take it. You know, I don't think he's going to be, you know, qualifying offer is probably going to be somewhere in the 19 million range and Javi Baez isn't going to get a $19 million contract. And so he would just take it and he'd be back on a 119. Um, Rizzo's uh, kind of borderline, but above the line, I think you'd probably get him on a Bryant to no doubter for, for a QO. Uh, and so you got to measure that draft pick. And, you know, you do have to measure the value of, of your playoff possibilities. You know, the Cubs are, like you said, they're in first place. They're tied for first place. They have a good chance to win this division. Um, and this is where, you know, you and I know this, Matt. We live in a capitalist society. Baseball is a huge part of capitalism. And, and you have to measure the, the, the actual dollar values of a playoff appearance, which really can get into the tens of millions of dollars in terms of revenue for your team. So all of those things have to be balanced. I would be really surprised. You know, and I, I say this on June 13th, you know, we're still six weeks before the deadline. Um, and, and like I said, these teams in the Central are all pretty good, but none are great. They're all capable of an eight-game winning streak as much as they're capable of an eight-game losing streak. We could be looking at a very different situation in mid-July than we are right now. Uh, but for now, I, I, I don't think they can just kind of give up the ghost and, and, and try to pop all these guys for prospect value. So that's re- some really interesting stuff in there. So the financial conversations – um, do those bleed their way into the baseball side, Kevin, as you're thinking about it? I mean, it, it's hard to imagine that they don't, especially now back at full capacity. That's 39,000 people at Wrigley. If you sold away Craig Kimbrell and Javi Baez and still were said you were trying to win the division, those numbers might go down. The playoff possibility might not get there. That's, uh, does that bleed its way in to the baseball side? Uh, it does every time the Ricketts roam, roam through the halls and stick their head in the office and go, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah, I, you know, that's just how it works. I mean, those are the guys talking about the money. And, it, you know, it, it's funny where, you know, we get mad at GMs at times for doing something or, or more importantly, not doing something. At times it's dictated by ownership. You know, the, the, you know, I don't 
think the Oakland A's GM is really thrilled that he can't sign big name free agents or even medium name free agents because ownership won't give them the budget, you know, and you get mad at the GM. But most of these things are dictated by ownership and, you know, ownership knows and they have their own analytics people who aren't looking at baseball but are looking at revenue and, and, and are saying, look, if we make the playoffs, it's worth this much money to us. Uh, you know, and those kind of things end up, whether you like it or not, playing a role in baseball decisions. Mm. Um, was there a team chemist employed when you were in Houston, Kevin? I've, I've since learned that there are team chemists doing sticky stuff uh, research, and some teams yeah. are stealing them from others. Uh, it's pretty amazing. You and I both learned that last week. You know, I, I, we did not have a team chemist, certainly not that I know. I'm, I'm sure there was someone who was already at a different job who was uh, – uh, looking at sticky stuff and, and and knowing what sticky stuff did and then like you, you talked about earlier in the hour too, we were in a weird spot with that thing where, where everyone was using it now all of a sudden they don't want anyone to use it and you know this whole problem and it is a problem uh it's major league baseball's fault if you want to point the blame at someone it's major league baseball you know you can't turn a blind eye to it for decades if not a century and then <laughs> so suddenly say hey we got to stop you know that's on you it's not anyone else. And, you know, all these guys who are using it have been told their entire careers, everyone uses it and it's fine. They never, no one really cares about it. It's fine. Mm. And, and, you know, it was used for a while when it was the, the, the I don't know, let's call it the less sticky stuff, the, the rotten bags and, and a little pine tar from sunscreen or, or, or whatever. The, you know, it was used in a way that I think even the hitters were fine with, you know, these, as you, these dudes are throwing 97 and if the grip gives them a little bit more control and keeps them from flying at your head, that's great. Um, and then now once you get into this world of spider tack and, and the, the you know guys putting super glue on their fingers, basically, and it changes what a pitch does, that's where it becomes an unfair advantage. But, you know, Major League Baseball tactically endorsed this incredible slope that we're on, and they're the ones responsible. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's, that's why I don't find myself vilifying the pitchers, even the easily dislikable ones um, who answer questions poorly. I don't find myself vilifying them because of what has been allowed to take place. I, I wonder what you think. I, I, I find myself increasingly convinced that sticky stuff is a big, big factor in fixing the contact problem. Of everything that there is, let's say sticky stuff regulation, uh, strike zone incongruencies, um, possible mound alteration, moving it down or moving it back, uh, regulating the ball, uh, hitters' philosophical resistance, um, uh, possible enforcement of the pitch clock, uh, capping pitchers at 12 or 13, uh, changing rules on the shift. I mean, that's eight things that I can count that have been brought up. Sticky stuff feels really important, and on top of it, feels really manageable. You know, it feels doable. Uh, of, of all those. Does that make sense? And I, I agree with you on the importance factor. I think it is a, a big reason we're seeing so many strikeouts is guys are, are spinning the hell out of the ball and making, you know, we see them on Twitter every day with, you know, like the pitcher list guys, stuff like that. You're seeing these animated gifts of, of uh, absolutely unhittable pitches doing things that seem to defy physics. Um, and that's a product of sticky stuff. There's no question about it. You know, I guess I disagree with the, and this is easily enforceable. Like, I don't, hmm. I don't know if that's the case or not. And, and, you know, I think what you're going to end up with in the end of the day is you're going to have a, you know, an MLB endorsed substance that guys can put on their fingers. Like this is, this is the goop. Here's the goop that you can use. Yeah. Um, and, and that's fine, but you're, you're still, you know, there's going to be tons of pitchers going, yeah, I want a little more goop. I want something a little more tacky. I want something that gets me a better grip and, and 
you know, guys are still going to do it. And that means that if you, th- if you agree that that's going to happen and you think I'm right, then you're saying that, you know, what we're going to end up seeing starting next week, which is constant interruptions with games as, 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 you know, pitchers are randomly checked for their stuff that goes on at infinite. It's for eternity. Um, and if that's okay with you, then that's, it is enforceable, but it's going to be weird. Yeah, yeah, it is. But but you do agree that it's important. You agree that it's high on the importance list. It's certainly it's a huge factor in why we have so many strikeouts right now. Absolutely, okay. and, and and it would and it would reduce strikeouts and create more contact, which creates more action, which is what Major League Baseball understandably and correctly wants. Um, real quick, Kevin, um, or not real quick, if you don't mind, but uh, um, what's what's the White Sox phone call? I didn't realize you had now done the American League as well in terms of all those calls, those great columns on fan graphs. What's, what's the context of the White Sox check-in call with other teams in advance of the trade deadline? Um, you know, I, th- I think the White Sox front office knows more than we do about Luis Robert and Eloy, and, and you know, are they really going to be available at the end of the year? I don't think we know, but I do think they need to find an everyday outfielder, preferably one who can play center. It's, there's not a ton of them out there. Um, but, you know, you don't want to be in a position where you're playing, you know, when he's healthy, Billy Hamilton or Larry Garcia every day. These are, these are bench players. These are not guys who should be playing every day. If, they, if they're bench players, they can help you. If they're everyday guys, they hurt you. And so you, they need to find someone who can, who can handle that outfield position. And, you know, you also don't want Adam Eaton playing every day. I think he's more of a fourth outfielder at this point. And then I think I see a little bit of bullpen depth. You know, I, I, I obviously Liam Hendricks is great. You need a, you know, maybe another guy or two can help you with those bridge innings that get you to Hendricks when you have a lead. Hmm. Um, on the outfield front, I mean, Brian Goodwin is here now. They've got a bunch of guys who could be fourth or fifth outfielders, uh, uh, essentially. Um, who, who's out there? Tyler Naquin? Are the Reds going to make Tyler Naquin available? I wonder. I would I would be surprised if they made Tyler Naquin available. I think there are a few kind of boppers out there. I think Corey Dickerson's an interesting guy with the Marlins who who can't play center but can provide you kind of an everyday power source. He's not having a great year, but he's a history of hitting. And I think he might might be a nice buy low thing if you have a payroll issue. But you're right, mm-hmm. the, the center field piece is a real problem. There's not a lot of center field pieces out there. Yeah, we'll keep looking around. Kevin, great stuff. Thank you so much for the time. Have a wonderful day and um and enjoy that chin music um music, you know? It's uh it's I, I think it's the best part of the podcast myself. The 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 music part's great. The vocals are just okay. Uh, <laughs> that's understandable. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate you. Pick it up, pick it up. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Kevin Goldstein of Fangraphs right there on six seventy the score. White Sox fans, you want a center fielder? Do you think you need to go out and get an everyday center fielder? Now that Adam Engel is here and I like that player quite a bit. And you're mixing and matching in left and right with the likes of Leary and Billy Hamilton when he's healthy. And obviously Andrew Vaughn's going to play most of the time. And Adam Eaton. Um, and now Brian Goodwin is here, and you've only seen him for one game. But do you still want to go out and get an everyday center fielder? They're hard to find, and how much do you want to give up? And then, Cub fans, any of your thoughts on that conversation? How about that? He thinks Javi Baez would be a fool not to take the qualifying offer, which would be one year and 19 mil. Of all the free agent shortstops that are coming, that's interesting. Um, That might not be so bad for the Cubs. We'll talk about those things, and we will throw open the phone lines for the rest of the show at 312-644-6767. That's the phone number. Um, Earlier we were asking, and we can revitalize that conversation as well, as the Cubs and White Sox have survived and thrived – 
with all the injuries that have taken place, who have been the most important players to help your team survive and thrive? Two first-place teams in Chicago, and it's Hit and Run on a Sunday morning with me, Matt Spiegel, on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I don't feel either of these. I'm in a good mood. Okay. Hey, man, what's wrong? Well, it just didn't sound very bluesy. He's probably happy because he found out Honey Nut Cheerios can help lower cholesterol as part of a heart-healthy diet. Oh, hey, Buzz. Okay, well, let's try it again. Smile on my face. Nope, that's uh, still happy. Have a change of heart with Honey Nut Cheerios. Learn more about Honey Nut Cheerios by picking up a box at your local store. Hey, it's Haw. Window Nation wants you to invest in yourself while investing in your home. For a limited time, get a vacation voucher when you purchase a whole house of windows. Plus, get two free windows for every two you buy and pay nothing for two whole years. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Protect your privacy online for free at DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Hey, Northside baseball fans, step up to the plate and participate in the Home Team Hero Contest. You or someone you know can be recognized by Pat and Ron as our fan of the game. From now through October 1st, nominate a first responder or frontline healthcare worker who also happens to be a super fan of the Northside team. Go to 670thescore.com slash hero for all the details and nominate your local hero today. Sponsored by Proven Winners, the number one plant brand for annuals, perennials, and shrubs. Visit provenwinners.com. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. 3 1 to Alcantara, hit in the air, deep right field, it's got a chance, gone! Sergio Alcantara. I'm having great at bats. I think you know, popping a couple homers uh, in big spots, San Diego, and then tonight, but just having really good at bats. You know, putting the ball in play hard, the triple last night was huge. Uh, in the middle of that rally, um, being able to score there to get us to a one-run game. So um, at bats like that, and then playing good defense in the middle um, with his versatility uh, is just a huge pick for us. Yeah, man, that's Ian Happ talking about Sergio Alcantara. Homered uh, last night. He tripled on Friday as part of a crazy rally in an incredibly memorable day. These last two days at Wrigley have just been absolutely outrageous. Matt Spiegel here with you. On 670, the score on hit and run. Alcantara, part of the um, kind of the never-ending flow of depth guys who've come up and helped, whether it was Rafael Ortega, obviously Patrick Wisdom, who pinch hit last night and got a single and has been incredible, and Alcantara now, who is um, demanding a spot in the lineup, played second last night. Hap played center. 
wanted to keep Hayward in there against the righty Gant for the Cardinals, and of course, Jock and left. So that meant Chris Bryant at third base for the first time since the 20th of April. Unbelievable. Been so comfortable everywhere, kept producing. He, to me, is the key. All those other guys, I mean, Wisdom was, has been great, and certain pitchers have been great. But in terms of the key to helping the Cubs survive and thrive, I'll, I'll give you my answers on, on, on the question that I posed in the first hour. To me, on the north side, it's Chris Bryant, his ability to just play everywhere and just keep going and let David Ross plug in whoever he has on a daily basis. And on the south side, to me, it's Andrew Vaughn. And this texture puts it well. Stabilized the outfield which was revelatory, while finding his way as a big league hitter. Yeah, man. I mean, your mean was huge early on as a bat, but Andrew Vaughn showing you that you could just put him in left field and feel good about it. Not just okay, but feel good about it. And survive with him in right if you need to. Big deal. While finding his way as a big league hitter. And Lance Lynn being a full-on stopper, an ace. I agree. Lance Lynn is a badass. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Maddox Boy is on the northwest side and is here to talk with me on Hit and Run, and I'm delighted about it. Good morning, Maddox Boy. Hey, Matt. What a, what a great pleasure it is to talk with you again. Um, you brought up something earlier today that I really wanted to comment on with the comparison between sticky stuff and the use of anabolic steroids and other performance-enhancing drugs and why people got so worked up about steroids and maybe not so much about the sticky stuff. And to me, it comes down to the sticky stuff is not a federally controlled substance. Yeah. You know, and, and if you wanted to cheat and use steroids, you were put in a position where you might lose your job because you knew that other people were using this controlled substance, which over prolonged use is terrible for your body. And, you know, we're seeing some of those breakdowns, you know, years later. Uh, that's the big difference to me. Not mm-hmm. just that it, it destroyed records, but that you were putting people in a position where they had to choose between staying in the major leagues and risking their health. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's an important point, obviously. And breaking, breaking federal law uh, to do so. So you're risking their health and affecting their body to that point. It's a big, big deal, as opposed to making their hands sticky and then needing to use rubbing alcohol after every game. I'm sure people's, I'm sure pitchers' fingers, Maddox boy, uh, have gone through hell, you know, Uh, sticky, then alcohol, then sticky, then alcohol, and they're developing weird calluses, et cetera. But that's that's very different. Uh, No, so I agree with you on that. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. It's Maddox Boy right there on 670 The Score. Phone lines are open if you want to hop in at 312-644-6767. You know, this texture says everybody's been pronouncing Alcantara's name wrong. It's Alcantara, not Alcantara. I don't know. And it makes me crazy. I don't know. Because Arismendi Alcantara was Alcantara, not Alcantara. I brought this up to Danny Parkins, and he could not have been less interested. He said, do it on hit and run, bastard. And here I am doing it on hit and run, but I still don't know. Pat says Alcantara. He says Alcantara. I believe that um, Cole Wright says Alcantara because he enjoys the video game reference. Um, Jeremiah Paparaki, the new public address guy, at Wrigley, says Alcantara. 
And you'd figure that between Pat Hughes and Jeremiah Paprocki, that they would have it. It's Alcantara. So that's what I'm going with. And I'm standing by it. But here's the, here's the truth. Sometimes a team will have it wrong. And the player does not have the confidence, wherewithal, or interest level to step up and correct until he is asked. So sometimes you just simply do not know. Uh, a texter, Nenker Felge, asks, what's the Sox record uh, against teams with a 500 record or better? Because that was brought up earlier, and we did answer that earlier. The White Sox are 13-17 and 17 against teams with a 500 record or better. And they are right there along with the Padres as being a good team with an under 500 record against other good teams. So the Padres are a good team with an under 500 record uh, against good teams. The Yankees also are. The Mets also are. And the Reds are a 500 team with an under 500 record against good teams. So do with that what you will. Oh, excuse me, the Dodgers. The Dodgers are 64 and 38 overall, and they're 15 and 20 against teams that are 500 or better. So they're right next to the White Sox. They're 17 and 18. So are we calling the Dodgers, um, you know, pretenders because they don't beat the good teams? No, nobody's doing that. Granted, they have the proven track record of just having won the World Series and made it to several in a row. But still, um, I don't think these White Sox are pretenders, folks. I do not think so. That starting rotation is the real deal. And that bullpen is... There are a lot of good guys in there. I, I want to make a point that about Lance Lynn, because this came up the other day, and it's something, it's something that more I wish more managers would do. When you have a guy who is a workhorse and knows how to get people out the third time through, um, and, and he really could be conceivably pushed a little further, and he's a proven innings eater, pitch thrower go ahead and use him lance lynn is one of those very rare guys and if you're going to make the most out of your investment go ahead and push him the other night i think he should have had the eighth inning that was on wednesday night because he had thrown 95 pitches in the seventh inning he battled with randall gritchick who had homered previously and eventually got him out on a fly ball and then he used only three pitches to get joe panic and guriel that was nine pitches overall to finish the seventh inning. The final pitch of the inning was at 95. Um, last year, Lance Lynn led the majors in pitches per game at 108. In 2019, he was number two in pitches per game at 107. He does not feel the effects. He does not show the effects. His ERA in innings seven, eight, and nine in his career is excellent. This is a guy you can push. And Aaron Bummer came in and ended up blowing the lead, and the, and the White Sox blew that game to Toronto. And it's not as if Aaron Bummer gave up a lot of hard contact. But when you have a chance to reduce the number of pitchers you use, thereby reducing the number of them you hope to have their best stuff on a given night uh, and all of that, go ahead and reduce that chance. Lance Lynn can start the eighth inning at 95 pitches. Probably would get out of it with 13 pitches, and then he'd reach his average. At least his average last year. This year, he's averaging 95.5 pitches per game. He ranks 12th in baseball. Lucas Giolito ranks 9th. Dylan Cease is 21st. So it's not as if it's some staff-wide problem 
that Tony LaRusso and Ethan Katz are doing something in a general sense salute that I majorly disagree with. Salute again. Major Lee disagree with. Love that guy. Appreciate his service. Um, but in that instance, I'm like, man, go ahead and push Lance Lynn. It's like you can push Liam Hendricks on the other side. You can ask Liam Hendricks to get four outs or five outs or even six and then still ask him to go the next day. He is that dude. You've got a couple of them. So I hope that they uh, go through and occasionally use those guys and push just a little bit harder. Lynn is a guy you can push a little bit harder. Texters getting in, knowing the accents in Spanish. The accent is on the second syllable. So Alcantara. Alcantara. Okay. All right, maybe so. Texter would like me to leave my sign-in and password on for tomorrow so Dan Bernstein can log into my Twitter as he did uh, sometime last week. No, I will not do that. And besides, I'm broadcasting from my home version of the Hyundai Studios at this point. I thought we stopped having that problem when Chris Dickens left. He was the one that did that all the time. What, left himself logged, logged no, in? No, no. If you left your Twitter logged in, he would take over. Yeah, that's a problem. Well, Bernsey was respectful and did not do that. I don't know if he looked through my messages to see if I had talked about him or other people at all. I'm not aware of that. We are broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Let's go to Jeff in Lake Zurich on 670 The Score. Jeff, you're on Hit and Run. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing great. Hey, your interview kind of got me thinking. You were asking where does Goop kind of rate uh, among all the problems in, in baseball. Yeah. And, and it got me thinking. I'm wondering if Goop isn't the center of all those problems in baseball. Is, is Goop the reason that they're talking about moving the mound, uh, raising the mound height, moving the mound? Is the Goop the reason that there's a shift? I'm wondering if Goop's the middle of it. And, and when you ask uh, what, is, you know, what is the solution in baseball designating a substance that's permitted, I thought there was one. I thought there's a rosin bag at every mound. And I think if you... If you just take a line and say, that's it, and anything but that, uh, I think you fix a lot of problems. Yeah, you know, the rosin bag is there. Um, People usually mix it with pine tar, which is also there. And maybe that's the answer. Just go ahead and allow pine tar and rosin mix, not the sunscreen mix, not the other stuff. And it will take a lot of maintenance, like the guest Kevin Goldstein was talking about. Um, but yeah, they've got to figure out that prescribed substance, but, uh, I'm with you, Jeff. And for anybody who didn't hear, I rattled off a list of like eight things that they're considering to try and fix the game. One being the sticky stuff regulation, another being the strike zone incongruencies and regulation. And to me, those are the two biggest ones. Then there's the others altering the mound, possibly those rules that they're talking about dealing with the ball. Bernstein and Rahimi have been talking a lot about the baseball this week. The philosophical resistance of hitters um, to get away from launch angle philosophy and go to a more contact-based philosophy. I've talked a lot about that with different people on this show. The pitch clock. Uh, Rosters. Capping pitchers at 12 or 13 on rosters. You've obviously seen the three batter rule. Um, Possible changes on the shift. All that stuff. I think, and I look back for precedent to 1968, the year of the pitcher. When after that year, they lowered the mound and they changed the strike zone. They regulated the strike zone a little bit differently and better. I don't know if they need to lower the mound. 
if they regulate the sticky stuff and they regulate the strike zone, you know, do something about the high strike. Do something about that part of the strike zone and get automated as soon as possible. They need to get automated. They really do. And that will make things much more manageable. And then you might not need to change rules like lowering the mound or moving it back or, you know, stuff like that. But there's a lot in there. And like the caller, I've grown increasingly convinced that sticky stuff is a major, major factor in this. If not the center of it, it is a major factor in this. We'll step away, come back, and put a bow on this baby. It is hit and run on 670 The Score. This is up the middle, and it'll be an RBI for Brian Goodwin. He drives in yet another run. Mendick scores. It is 15-2. to two. You know, it, it felt good. It felt good. Uh, first game, debut game with a new team. You know, obviously you want to come out and give, you know, give the fans something to see, give your teammates something to believe in. So, uh, you know, it felt really good to have a couple balls drop for me and uh, score some runs at the same time and uh, just just rally a little bit there and, um, you know, run it up on the scoreboard. That's Brian Goodwin, yesterday's hero for the Chicago White Sox, once again in the lineup, batting second for the White Sox as they get set to wrap up their series with Detroit. Absolutely on fire. Um, it's Matt Spiegel here, closing out hit and run. Um, Cubs and Cardinals will take place tonight. Pre-game begins at 5.35 with Zach Zaidman. Then Pat and Ron on the call from what presumably will be another huge crowd at Wrigley Field. There is, uh, now that, that stadiums are open, the Atlanta Braves have had the top six crowds so far in all of baseball, 41 plus at the top of their list. Last night's crowd at Wrigley of 39,000, and I think it was 103, is the seventh biggest crowd so far at a game this year and the biggest outside of Atlanta. So how about that? The Braves drawn like crazy. And Southerners perhaps a little more aggressive about going to the ballpark. It was interesting. Friday was beautiful, very hot, incredible day, about 35,000, not quite a sellout, but what an exciting and bizarre game. So if you were watching, you're thinking, you oh, know, maybe I'll go out tomorrow. Then an extra 4,000 people did, and we'll see about tonight. But the White Sox are just absolutely on fire, insane run differential, and a different hero every day coming off of a somehow very deep batch of position player fill-ins. Brian Goodwin, the latest of them. It's really, really cool to have two teams of this caliber in this two town, just a, a, a two team town, just a treat to get to talk about them every Sunday morning as I do. Uh, you know, it, it, there's only a couple of two-team towns. Right in New York, you got the, the Mets and the Yankees, super interesting right now. In all of the two-team towns, pretty much right now, there's good stuff. I mean, the Yankees might be the fourth-best team in their division, but they're still over 500. And the Mets are last look. Are they still first place in the NL East? I think so. They're, uh, they're right there. Uh, are the Mets, the Phillies, four games back? The San Francisco Giants are leading the NL West, and the Oakland A's are leading the AL West. Pretty cool. And then in L.A., the Dodgers are terrific. As you know, the Angels have climbed back up to 500. They are six games back of the Oakland A's, four back of the Astros. 
And if you were in L.A. talking baseball on a Sunday morning in a two-team town, I would be spending so much time on Shohei Otani because that dude does something insane every single day. See, the other day, he, he, he started the game and struck out, I think, nine. He also hit second in the order and had two doubles. And the second double was because they moved him. After he threw six innings, they put him in right field for an inning. Or maybe it was five innings. But whatever, after he pitched, they put him in right field for an inning so they could get one more at-bat out of him. And he doubled off the wall in that at-bat. He's outrageous. This, this is a once-in-a-century player succeeding at this level. He's, uh, he's top five in OPS as a hitter in all of baseball. And a dominant starting pitcher. This is, this is that guy in high school who was the best hitter and pitcher on your team. This is that guy, but he's doing it in the big leagues. Just absolutely outrageous. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Enjoy the heat. Stay safe. Get yourself into some water that you can swim in. I recommend if you enjoy that sort of thing. Keep your windows closed, as Terry Boers used to tell us on a day like this. I think, I think that's true, right? Isn't that the, the thing to do? Yeah, especially for the elderly. Keep those windows closed. Have a great, safe day. I'll be back tomorrow along with Danny Parkins and all afternoon from 2 to 6 p.m. Thank you to Adam Sadzinski for producing the show today. Pleasure, Adam. Thank you to Kevin Goldstein from Fangraphs and to Sean Marshall from the Marquee Sports Network as well. CBS Sports Radio is next. Cubs pregame at 535. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks. Matt Spiegel signing off on The Score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.